Good morning. Uh, let's begin in Psalm 16. Now, when you go through the Bible, you will see that the word inheritance is used in many different places, and it deals with different things. For example, inheriting the land, we see that in Exodus, we see that in Deuteronomy, in Numbers, in Joshua, and in other places. Then you see the earth, inheriting the earth, the meek shall inherit the earth. You see the, the children of Israel, their children, their physical children, had an inheritance, and you see the inheritance of the firstborn. You see inheriting the promises. This is how this word is used in the Bible. Inheriting the kingdom of God, inheriting the blessings, uh, inheriting eternal life or everlasting life. And you have Christians who use this word uh, in various ways. For example, there are Christians who talk and say that we are to inherit and want to inherit heaven. And then you have those who will say, well, I have a mansion in heaven, and that's my inheritance. And they can't wait to experience this mansion, actually. In John 14, 2, that's where that word uh, is, is mentioned. Jesus said, in my father's house or in my father's home or in my father's family, there are many mansions, there are many uh, dwelling places, there are many abiding places. He's not talking about a mansion. And I, just for the fun of it, I went on the internet, I typed that in, and this one website popped up, and it, it had a picture of the different mansions in England and in the United States. And it, it talked about this is, this is a replica of what you're going to have. And it goes all the way down. The, and the point was, at the very end, there was an outhouse. And what do you want? Do you want the mansion like this, or you want the outhouse? So... That verse there alone, dealing with inheritance, I believe is misinterpreted. And those who look for a mansion in heaven, or those who look to heaven as being their inheritance, uh, or the land, like the Israelites, all of that. Uh, what is it that you and I are to inherit as far as the Bible's concerned. I mean, as I said, that word is used many different places, and in the context, it means a certain thing. But even though the Lord had promised them the land, the Israelites, the land wasn't to be the goal, the, the land wasn't to be the focus, even though they had to, to set their heart to do and obey. Still, that was not the focus. The psalmist here in Psalm 16, uh, David, says this, and this is found in various places in the Scripture, uh, and many times... The truth is there, but it's hidden, like so many things that we talk about. And, and so many things that are, are there, there's still something beyond. There's something that's uh, hidden. There's something more. And so he says in, in Psalm 16, 5, You are the portion of my inheritance. You, 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 Lord, are the portion of my inheritance. And the word there, inheritance, means possession. So the Lord, for you and I, is to be or to become our possession. Now, my question is, and kind of getting ahead of myself here, but just being a Christian, just being saved, is the Lord your inheritance? Well, yes and no. Yes, in that 
you know, you have the beginning of relationship. But this truth, as it folds out in the scripture, is dealing with something far beyond initial salvation. It's talking about something further on. It's talking about a relationship that develops over time through various means the Lord will use in the Christian's life. And I want to show you this, and as I said, it's not real clear in some of these scriptures, but let's turn to Exodus. So David says this, and in his heart and life, the Lord is to be or to become his possession. I have always set the Lord before me, or I've set the Lord before me always. Uh, and, and that is to be a place where the Lord now can bring certain things and develop in you a, a desire, a hunger, all these different things that you'll need in order to have the Lord as your possession the way he wants. Now in Exodus 19... Verse 3, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from, uh, from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now when he says here that, he had brought them to himself, did not mean that he brought them to relationship. See, he brought them from one geographical area to another. And the, the desire or uh, the purpose behind that was to eventually develop relationship. Uh, Abraham was taken by the Lord. He, he's, he's, he says, leave this land. And Abraham physically left the Ur of the Chaldees and, and went the way the Lord was showing him. Now that was a geographic move from one place to another. But at that particular time, the relationship between Abraham and the Lord was not developed yet. So the Lord calls you to a church or calls you to Bible school or wherever it may be. And that is a, a geographic location. And, and we move in that and we go to that place. The purpose is not just to be in a geographic place. The purpose behind that is so that relationship will develop. See, that's, that's the key. That's what the Lord is looking toward. That's what he's after. Now, to have relationship, there's always a beginning point. In the scriptures, there's, there's various things. But one of the things that stands out in particular uh, in the Old Testament, and you can see the same truth in the New, it doesn't matter. Uh, there, there's one key element that if that element is missing, relationship cannot, and I say cannot, develop. So let's continue to read here. So the geographic place that they were called to here is actually back in verse 3, where it says that um, uh, called him from the mountain, or actually uh, verse 2, so Israel camped there before the mountain. It's talking about Mount Sinai. Now, down in verse 4, it talks about being brought to myself, the Lord says. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. So in order for relationship to develop, there has to be a heart of obedience. Now, let me ask you this question. Uh, is ignorance an excuse? Yes. 
And you may say yes and no. Well, that's actually true. If a person has no idea, no clue, then it can be, so to speak, an excuse. But once the Lord enlightens, or if it's available, it's before, before you, and you can find the truth, and you know there's people who will uh, go another way in their heart and not want to hear the truth. We, we know that. People do that all the time. If I, as a Christian, uh, do not want to hear the truth, then I place myself in a position where now the Lord has to do other things. He has to deal with me another way. Uh, you know, esteeming the truth, whatever that may be, in the word, or the truth the Lord wants to bring about me. You know, I might not want to hear that. So here's a foundational thing here. Uh, for relationship. He says, obey my voice and keep my covenant. Now look at this verse. He says, then, then, then. See, so if the then is not there, if there's no obedience, there can't be a then. See? But if there's obedience, then you shall be a special treasure to me, or, or in the King James, it says, peculiar people. Uh, in various places, it says peculiar people, um, special people. Uh, there's another, uh, another way it translates that, but it's all dealing with the same, the same thing. Now, hold your place. Uh, let me see here. Let me finish the verse, then we don't have to stay here. Then you shall... Be a special treasure or a peculiar people or a peculiar treasure to me above all people. Well, that's really something. Above all. That means all. That word's there in the, in the Hebrew. So the Lord is looking for a special people. Now, just because a person is a Christian does not necessarily mean that they are a peculiar treasure. See, without the obedience, you could never come to the then, you shall be a special people. So that's foundational, that has to be there. Because the Lord wants to, as he says here, make you a special treasure, treasure above all other people. And the all other people... And we, th we think right away that's referring to those who are unsaved, and that's true. But forget about saved and unsaved, and just say all people, be it unsaved or Christian. He wants to take Christians and make them a special treasure above all other people. And that is going to take a specific work in your life and in my life. Now, in Psalm 135, Psalm 135, verse 4. Now, in the context here, he's, the psalmist is... Um, encouraging the people or admonishing the people to praise the Lord. So in the context, it's talking about the children of Israel, the people. Okay. Verse 4, For the Lord hath chosen Jacob. Now you can go to other translations and it, it may say, I think, the, I think the Amplified is the one that says, um, For the Lord has chosen the descendants uh, of Jacob for himself, and the descendants of Israel for his special or peculiar treasure. But there's something else here in this verse, I believe, that applies. And, and, and I want to read it again. Remember that Jacob, whose name means uh, supplanter, um, I can't remember some of the other meanings of his name, schemer, 
that was Jacob. After a particular thing happens where Jacob has his heart for God and he is going after the Lord. He wants the Lord in his life. And you know the scripture where he wrestles with the angel. And he really has this desire for the blessing. And I don't necessarily believe that the desire for the blessing was a physical thing. He wanted something more from God. And so... After that, there's something that takes place in Jacob's life, and the Lord says, now I'm going to call you Israel. Now let's read the verse again. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob, that's true, for himself. Israel for his special treasure. And to me, that is saying that there's something that occurs in the life. To take one from Jacob to Israel to take someone from where they were to this special, uh, peculiar treasure that they become to the Lord. So something takes place within, and you're changed. So you were this individual once, like Jacob. You know, you were the rascal. Now you have become Israel. There's been a change. See, something has occurred in the life of the individual. Not just, not just one in one instance where something happens, but over time, something has happened. There's a, there's a development within. Now, this word here, let's just look at it for a minute. Peculiar people, Deuteronomy. Turn to Deuteronomy 7. We'll just go through this very quickly. Because I, I have heard this off and on for years, people quoting this scripture dealing with being a peculiar people. And the context that they use that in is just because you're a Christian that you are, are a peculiar treasure. And I don't believe that that's necessarily the case. It depends on uh, the heart of the individual. And as I said, and we'll see this uh, in a minute here, it depends on obedience, because that's, that's where things begin. Now, you have to be obedient to what the Lord is personally showing you. I can't come to you and say, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. I mean, maybe as a young Christian, they, a person may need some guidance. But see, you have to have the Lord develop a relationship. You, you know, you have to uh, walk with him in a way where you start to understand and see things and he's able to somehow communicate to you and you know it's him and you become obedient in that thing. See, that, that, that's, that starts something moving in your life. Now in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God hath chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because uh, you, were mere, uh, you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. And he goes on. So that's basically the same thing that we saw in Exodus. He, he wants to bring people to this particular place in relationship. In Deuteronomy 14, verse 2. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Same thing. Deuteronomy 26, verse 18. Also today the Lord has proclaimed you to be his special people, just as he promised you that you should keep all his commandments. So in each of those verses we looked at, if you examine the context, you will see obedience there in every, every case. Where you see this word used uh, in, in the way it's being used, you will see that. Now there are uh, the same... The word peculiar is used um, 
I think it's in Chronicles, I think. But it's not dealing with relationship. It's dealing with actual silver and gold, that, that type of thing, a physical thing. Uh, but there's another usage of it that we'll look at later on that I thought was just, I was reading it this morning before I came, and I thought, wow, that's really good. How many of you, when you read the Bible, you know, the Lord shows you something, it's like so good. <laughs> it's not about just reading the Bible. It's when the Lord takes it, and he's like, here it is right before he's feeding it to you. He's like, oh, that's nice. Nice. So, in the, in, as I said, this word peculiar here, in the context, you will see obedience. Now, the word means, the basic meaning means to be shut, shut up or not to shut up. I said something shut up or wealth. Uh, with, it's talking about within a valued possession of valued property. Okay? Now, let's go to Exodus 33. Now, Moses had a heart after God. Jacob had a heart after God. Those that we read in the Bible who had a heart after God were not focusing, I don't believe, on the physical. If you ever wondered why, for example, you would look at one of the prophets and you read you know, the um, chapters. And they don't mention the word heaven much. They don't mention at all heaven as being the focus. Where do we get that today? People don't want to be patient and live here and now today and allow the Lord to deal with them today. They want to get out of here and go to heaven where everything's, you know, nice. And they don't, they, don't, they don't want the development. They're not interested in maturity. They want to go to heaven. That's, that becomes a, a focus. But you don't see that in the Bible. I mean, you see things about heaven. You see the throne room in Revelation. You see Ezekiel seeing the Lord high and lifted up. You see Isaiah. You see, but as far as heaven itself, when... When Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, that he says, oh, I can't wait to go to heaven? <laughs> no. He sees the Lord, the Lord becomes the center, and he says, woe is me. Woe is me. So I think today in Christianity, there are certain things that are out of kilter. You know, their view, uh, for the most part, you, you get those that, that, you know, are right on. But many times it's a, you know, they're focused on the, on the minors instead of what they should focus on. Now, in Exodus here, Moses had this heart for the Lord. And, you know, I look at this and I say, wow, Lord, if I would have a heart like that, it would be nice. Exodus 33, verse 11. Now, I want to look at another verse real quick. Just hold your place there. Go to Genesis 32, because I want you to see this. Because we mentioned Jacob. Hold your place in, in um, Genesis 32. Okay, now let's... You have that? Okay, now let's go to uh, Exodus 33, verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face... As a man speaks to his friend. Hold your place there. Go to Genesis 32, 24. He, Genesis 32, 24. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Verse 30. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. You see, the, you see the same thing there with Jacob as we see with Moses. 
See, something, something's going on here. They want the Lord. Now, back in Exodus 33, verse 12, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way. Show me your way. <laughs> he doesn't say, Lord, if I have found grace in your sight, give me a thousand cattle. That's not, he's not interested in that. He wants to see the way of the Lord because if you see the way of the Lord, he will reveal himself to you in some way. So he's not focusing on anything in the natural. If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Now, look at this. That I might know you, know you, not by observing you, but this knowing is an experientially knowing him. See, so you and I, if the Lord is to be what he is to be, and he is our focus, show me now your way. If that's the case, you will experience him and you will know him in a way that you didn't before. And it's not just a, the Lord did this for me, the Lord did that for me. Yes, that's true, that's true. But, you know, when the Lord does that, when he does something for you, do you focus on what the Lord did for me? Or does your heart turn to him in that and say, oh, Lord, I want to see you. You are who I want. Thank you for this. Thank you. But you are who I want. So he, he wants to know him, experience him. Show me now your way that I might know you and that I might find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, the Lord says, my presence will go with you. And that word there means my face. Now, your face identifies who you are. So when you go out in a group of people, uh, do you look at their feet? Oh, I know those feet. Well, not normally. You look at their face. Uh, Alana, and I go and I say, she sees and recognizes the face of her mother, her father, her grandmother, her grandfather, and various people. She recognizes the face. Because the face is what identifies you. It, you know, it is... And when he says this here, my face, my presence, my face will go with you. The face, uh, he, I believe he's, he's talking about ref the reflection of the person. See, when, when I look at you, if I see your face, and I don't necessarily mean your physical face. If I see your face spiritually. That will be a reflection of who you are, your person, your character. What identifies you as a Christian? What identifies you? See, your face, your physical face doesn't identify you as a Christian. But your spiritual face, that's a different matter. That identifies who you are. That says things. So he says, my presence will go with you. I will be, I will be uh, with you, and I will give you rest. 
Uh, now down to verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. See, he's after the heart of God. He's after the Lord. I will do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you, you by name. And he said, Moses, please show me your glory. And the, the word glory there means his richness or his abundance, and that's referring to character. Show me, Lord, please show me your character. What a prayer. Don't show me what you can do for me. Show me your character, Lord. Well, now the Lord's going to say something to that. Verse 19. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Do you know what that word means? I shouldn't tell you. I should make you look it up. Look it up later. And I don't want to get off on this because this goes another direction. I will make my goodness pass before you. The goodness means best. I am going to make my best pass before you. The Lord does that with you and I. And he will bring his best before us. But many times we settle for what is good. Or we'll settle for something that is better than the good. But we won't go after the best. See, if my focus in life as a Christian is on heaven, on the kingdom of God, or whatever. Well, that's good. It's okay. It's better than focusing on the world. But it's not his best. I will make my best <laughs> pass before you, and listen to this, and I will pro proclaim the name of the Lord. See, he is the best. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Does anybody here know what the word name means? That word in the Hebrew and the word name in the New Testament has the same meaning. It means character and authority. You can look it up in the Strong's. Look it up in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You'll see the same basic thing. I will make all my best pass before you, and I will proclaim the character of the Lord. Well, why is he going to do that? Well, if you see the character of the Lord, if you see how he is, even in one small area, what that's going to do, or what it should do, is overwhelm you because you see that your character is not the same as that. Now, do you realize, Christian, that you have character flaws? Does anybody here have a character flaw? Nobody, just me. We all do, don't we? Husbands? You know, it's nice having a wife. You know why? One reason? Because they'll let you know about your character flaws. You might not want to hear the truth. You will hear from them at times what you do not see yourself. Very valuable. Now, the women... The Lord's going to have to show you, because most of the time the men don't <coughs> deal with stuff like that. 
sometimes. Now let me ask you this. Is the Lord interested in putting his character in you? And we know the answer to that is yes. You can see that's why he's going to proclaim his name. That's why he's going to proclaim his character. And Moses is going to see that and he said, wow. Boy, I have a long way to go here. But the nice thing is that the Lord will place his character in you and I even if we have character flaws. Wow, isn't that nice? But he wants some of those character flaws to go. And he will work to do that. Jesus will present to himself a church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He's going to fine-tune. He's going to work in areas where we are powerless because we either don't see some character flaws or we see them and we are powerless to change it. Powerless. Can't do a thing. All we can do is say, Lord, I'm willing. That's it. And walk with him. I see some things in myself that I don't like. The Lord shows them to me. But it's like, it's hard to, to divorce personality from a character, something in your character. And I'm not necessarily talking about sin. But see, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. He can get to the bottom of things. And only he can do it. And I like that. I like that as a Christian, I have help. So Moses here is after the Lord. Verse 21, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. Pretty good. So... That which Moses desires, the Lord now is in the process of, of working in his life. And the funny thing about this is, what chapter in Exodus are we in? We just read from chapter 33, right? It's not in the beginning of Exodus. Moses sees all the miracles, all the signs, the parting of the Red Sea, feeding uh, with manna, water from a rock, on and on and on and on and on. He sees all those things, all the works of God. He sees them. But they do not uh, take his attention. They are not something that he is focusing upon. He is focusing upon the Lord. Uh, show me, please show me your glory. I want to see you. I want your character, not your acts, not your miracles. I saw all that. I know there's more. Do you know there's something more in this walk? Yes, there's something more. And his name is Jesus. Now turn to Malachi. I don't know, when I, I read that, that's exciting to me. <laughs> Maybe I'm a strange one. But that's exciting. That the Lord will proclaim his character if you desire. And he'll show you. Not for the purpose of just seeing it. But for the purpose that you and I would have the correct focus in this walk. Malachi 3. Instead of just reading the one verse, let's go up to verse 13. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? 
you have said it is useless to serve God. Or in the King James, I think it says, uh, does it say void? Vain. What's it say? Vain. Vain, that's right, sorry. Have you ever looked around and seen the people in the world? And there you are, you know, trying to do everything that's right and what have you. And they're prospering, prospering. things are going right for them. They don't have some, to deal with some of the things that you have to deal with, and then here you are. You have to deal with this, have to deal with that, you know, all this stuff. And, and you say, is it vain serving the Lord? Well, the psalmist said the basic same thing. He said, until I went to the house of the Lord, that was my thinking. What, he says, it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? Now, this is what the Lord is saying through Malachi to the people, that that's what's in their heart. They're thinking that serving the Lord is useless. Why would they think that? It's because they're relating to something in the natural, you know, that they can't do this or they can't have that, they can't go after this. And so in their heart, they're saying, you know, this is useless in this life. So now we call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him, for those who feared the Lord and who meditated on his name. See, so you have those now who uh, had the Lord as their focus. They were interested in him. And it, it says here that the Lord heard them. Those who feared the Lord uh, and those who meditated upon his name. So the Lord saw that and he, he heard that. And here's what the Lord says about those who meditated on his, his name and those who feared the Lord. Verse 17. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels. This word here, jewels, is the same Hebrew word as being a peculiar treasure or a special treasure. Same word. Same word. And once again... Woven in here is obedience. Obedience. Verse 16. Look at the latter part of verse 16. For those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. What did I just say the word name means? Remember? Character. See, they're not meditating on something else. See, Lord, the Lord himself is the focus. They're meditating on his name, his character, who he is. They're putting that. That's, that's what they're beholding. That's what's before them. They're putting that before them. See? And so the Lord says, those are the ones who are going to be a peculiar people, a special people to me. They're going to be mine, he says, mine. So we started off with Psalm 16, 5, where it says, you are the portion of my inheritance. See, um, you are the portion. Now, when I say a portion, if I were, if I were to walk around, let's say I'd have... Um, uh, a big bowl of mashed potatoes. Okay, and I walk up and get a spoon there, and a spoon there, and I might have another spoon. I get a spoon over here. A portion is not always the same amount. There's always, even if you use the same spoon. Remember when you were a kid and your parents, or maybe your mother put things on your plate and it was something you really liked, and you look at your brother or sister and say, Anybody ever do that? <coughs> or if you cut a piece of dessert for one of your kids, or two of your kids, and make one a little bit bigger and see what happens. I guarantee 
they'll say something. Can I get a bigger portion? Well, the Lord will give the proper portion to each. And I have news for you, it's not the same. Some people will say it's the same, but I don't believe it's the same because that portion of the Lord is based, the portion of the Lord that is given to you is based upon your obedience, but more so it's based upon your character. See, the character that is there. And the more of the character of the Lord you have will be the more, uh, or the larger portion that you have. You understand how, what I'm saying? See, so the portion and the character that you have is in direct proportion. See? And not everybody's character is the same. Not all Christians are the same. Now, they're all saved, yes. We'll all go to heaven, yes. But as far as the character excuse me, of Christ within the Christian, that portion is different. And it does, it's not that the Lord says, oh, I love you better and I'm giving you more. No, it's an individual thing. You know, what is your desire? What is, is your focus? What do you want? Do you want to be like Moses and say, Lord, please show me your glory. Please show me your riches. Please show me your abundance. Please show me your character. Well, see, those that have a heart like that, the Lord will give them a portion. And the portion that you have now should be increased from when you first became a Christian. It should, it should have been increased. Now, in closing, turn to 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. Does the Lord have a portion? Now, we talked about the portion that you, you, you have as far as the Lord. But does the Lord have a portion? There he is. He's sitting on the throne. And he has everything, right? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills. He owns the earth and the, the universe. and Everything is his. So what does he need? Does he have a portion? Or is that just a portion just for you and I? I'll just quote this. This is Deuteronomy 32.9. For the Lord's portion is his people. That's his portion. That's what he's after. A peculiar people. That's his portion. Those who have uh, developed, uh, those who have something of value within First Corinthians 12, verse 6. And there are diverse, diversities of, uh, of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So the Lord is at work, working, and he wants to work in all. And then just turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 28. Now when all things are made subject to him, Jesus, then the Son himself will also be subject to him, the Father, who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So in the one scripture, you see him working all in all. And then in the other scripture, you, you see that God will be all in all. See, so that's what, what he's after, to do that. You know, that's going to be his portion. All. 
all and in all is his portion. So I want to encourage you today, have the Lord before you and desire him. And you can even pray, if you can, please, Lord, show me your glory. And that is not a prayer to see the miracles. Moses saw the miracles. This is something different. He's after the character of the Lord. Please, Lord, show me your glory. Let that be our prayer today and in the rest of the days that we have in this life. Thank you.